Hello, everybody, and welcome to the You Thought Sports Podcast. I'm back this week with the, the usual squad, uh, Lucas, Jared, Wyatt, and Bart. Uh, we're going to be talking NFL today, NBA, college, some college football, uh, but we're going to start it off with the NFL as we head into the final week of the regular season. So uh, last week, we saw Ryan's Fit- Ryan Fitzpatrick replace Tua in the fourth quarter, lead the Dolphins to a pretty crucial come-from-behind victory uh, against the Raiders. Uh, it was a bit of a surprise given that we've seen Tua starting for like a good six or seven games at this point, right? Um, didn't know that Fitz was still in the picture. Uh, but anyway, he came in, saved the team. So Wyatt, what are your thoughts on have, have the Dolphins made a huge mistake into his early development uh, by playing him too early and, you know, having having moments like this where they pull him? I'll start with this. It's obviously working. I never thought that having a closer as a QB position would be functional, but the Dolphins somehow managed. I mean, they are. I think they do have 10 wins so far this season. Um, but I don't think that they played him too early. I just don't like that they don't let him finish the games. It kind of interrupts the rhythm of the game, the chemistry that he can build between him and his receivers. I mean, I like Tua, but he isn't like a Deshaun Watson type where he can just extend a play for the full uh, 45 minutes of a game. He's not going to just run around and scramble. He's a rhythm thrower. Um, he is an incredible uh, timing thrower, but he just needs to get in a good flow to really get into his peak. Um, I think they're, Tua is their future. Uh, they need to kind of take their lumps right now so far this season, even if it is painful, even if they do kind of lose some games because of their rookie quarterback. But they also do have a good enough defense to make do. Like They don't have to have their young quarterback win every single game. They can kind of take the pressure off him with those. I do think it is sort of bad for his development because of what you said. It, it takes him out of the rhythm across all the games. And because... There's like the central conflict here of like you want him to develop because he's your future franchise quarterback, but you also want to and need to win games. And the latter of those is probably the more important of the two to win games now because you never know what can happen to Tua. He could, you know, tear his ACL next year and then that whole plan is out the window. So if you have the option to win games now with Fitzpatrick, then I think you got to take those options. And what it does to Tua is not only I feel like it takes him out of rhythm, it kind of like shreds his confidence too. Like yeah. I, I feel like this is seen in most recently in like the Carson Wentz sort of scenario when there's like someone behind you who can play better when they come in it like hurts the confidence of a quarterback and I think that they run the risk of that happening with Tua especially because Tua has been like very much a game manager so far and not <laughs> great he's been his touchdown to interception ratio is really good it's 10 to 2 but other than that he's like 23rd in completion percentage 30th in yards per attempt he hasn't been great so far and I just think that you run the risk of you know either like he loses confidence because he's not playing great and then gets pulled or he just never develops because he's not the guy that can help you win now i i think that with any other player i'd be like yeah confidence might be shaken but i feel like two of all people understands because he you know he he was put in in the second half of the national championship and then jalen hurts came in replaced him he got hurt in that situation in the sec championship game the next year i think he understands like he's already in that culture with bama where it's like the best guy the guy that's going to give us the best chance to win that week is who's going to start i feel like he's already in that that's like really ingrained in him as well as with fitzpatrick i know he was like oh my feelings were kind of hurt that like i got pulled and everything but i feel like they're both like team first guys and you saw too like he was cheering on the sidelines and like super involved in that game so i don't think confidence wise it's going to hurt him. I think he knows, like, yeah, I'm not playing the best football of my life. And I think he, like, just takes that in stride, I think. I don't so know. I'm not I feel like, confidence. like, I feel like he's, he's the type of guy that would definitely on the outside, like, do all the right things and show that, you know, he's a, he's a team player and would support the team. But I don't know how on the inside he can't be at least upset about it, right? Or, like, you know, unhappy. And also, I think the, like concerning thing to me or the the thing that shows the Dolphins lack of confidence most is the fact that Lucas kind of as you mentioned he's he's been a game manager his game against the Raiders wasn't like bad like he didn't make big mistakes per se and that's usually why you see a quarterback pulled and I think it's reasonable for a team to pull a quarterback after two or three interceptions and just say hey it's not your day um like we'll put you back out there next week whereas this one he had you know like a touchdown and no interceptions right or something he wasn't you know making big plays or helping them really win the game 
But I feel like that shows a lack of confidence in him as a whole. If they're like, this is just the way he's been playing. He completes passes. He's a game manager. He doesn't make big mistakes. And they're going to pull him if he performs like that, like he's been performing. I think that shows that they're not confident going forward. I don't think that's unreasonable, though. If if you're fighting for a playoff spot right now, and you're like, hey, Tua, I just think this guy's going to give us a better chance to win right now. But do you think the Dolphins are like contenders enough that no? I I think that no, but developing the, Tua matters more. The Dolphins yeah. is that they're not no. contenders and they're not going to be able to. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got a rebuttal for that. Did the Jets think they're going to make a playoff game? Why are they winning these last two games? Because the players and coaches want to win. No, the yeah. players and coaches want to win. They don't think yeah, like GMs and fans are like we should be tanking this year to get a better draft pick. The coaches and players are coaching to win the game. You know, they're not. They're not thinking I don't know. about. Like, I don't. Know. I think players 100 should have that mindset. I'm not sure if coaches in the respect of developing a quarterback. I think they might have to sometimes understand that, you know, mm. you have to like you're developing not a quarterback wh- who they're going to see being their franchise QB for the next five years or so, or but not more, if you're... five to ten years. Like I feel like that weighs more than already kind of souring something. Coaches and players are are trying to win. They're not trying. They're not thinking about like, oh, am I going to mm. hurt this guy's confidence? They just want to win. And that's why you know that's why the Jets won their their last two week their two week games and or their last games in the two weeks because they're they're trying to win they don't want to be part of an own six team and own sixteen team and like some players they're never going to get the chance again to be on a playoff team so you know they're they they're like if Fitzpatrick gives us a chance to win we want to do that yeah I mean I, I think from the player perspective that makes sense I just think from the coach's perspective they also have to have in mind the future of the franchise and the fact that. Tua is the future of this franchise, at least at the moment. Like right. he's the the guy they drafted with a you know a top five pick, right? Like they're going all in on him, and it's weird to pull. I feel like it's strange to pull him in this scenario in that case. But yeah, yeah. I guess what I was gonna say is that you you really only see them like oh we're gonna develop the quarterback if they're like already out of the playoff picture. Where mm-hmm. in this case they're like they're literally fighting for the playoff spot yeah. this week. Yeah. So you know I think yeah. I think it's kind of. It's a, I think it's a unique situation, but Tua yeah. is uniquely capable to like handle it. I think, personally, mm. from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. it's just, he's just not like um, Dwayne Haskins, where they drafted him fifteenth overall, and they're like, I guess well, he maybe he's our quarterback, and they're yeah. gonna give it a shot. They use a top five pick on him, so mm-hmm. kind of just seems weird to be like, yeah, well, you done good, and let's sit down because it was a winnable game. It was thirteen to sixteen by the time that they pulled him, mm-hmm. so it's not like, um you know, it was a blowout or anything like that. And Ryan Fitzpatrick happened to have them win. It just, I'm not in love with the idea of them constantly doing that, especially if maybe they should have just sat him the entire year. But I don't think that if they were going to pull them in scenarios like that, they're going to keep on. I just don't think that, yeah, I don't think that they, he gives them a chance to, he's not like they're going to, he's, he's going to lose them the game. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I feel like implicit. Yeah. Like when you put in a when midseason you put a quarterback in, like you put two in the way that the Dolphins did. Like I mm-hmm. feel like you're making the commitment then. You've decided that he's going to be the starting quarterback going forward unless something mm-hmm. horrific happens. So I think it's why, weird why for them you, to flip flop between. But them. I just I don't think you have to be that rigidly inflexible about like the way you run your football team. Like yeah, yes, Tua might be the the future. He might be the top five pick, but like. Fitzpatrick, if he helps you win games, and that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Like as your coach. Like, I don't know, like, this is a wild-ass example, but the Patriots signed Drew Bledsoe to that huge contract. He got hurt. Brady came in. He played. They stuck with him, even though, like, Bledsoe was the quarterback of the future. I think, like, you play with what works at the time because ultimately, even as a coach or even as a GM, the only thing that matters is winning games. And if Because if you don't win games, you're fired. So I think that Fitzpatrick, in a lot of ways, especially this year, like he helps them win because he opens up the playbook because they're still just trying to have Tua teach and like or have Tua like learn the game be a game manager while he like adjusts the NFL whereas Fitzpatrick like you saw it in the game um against the Raiders like they threw down field more with Fitzpatrick he has that NFL experience and I think that like you know is it the best for Tua's development maybe not but ultimately like Tua's development isn't what important isn't what is the most important to the Dolphins at this point, or should it be, even if they took him in the top five? I see. I, yeah, I would say it probably should be, though. Yeah, I, I, agree <laughs> yeah. yeah. I agree with you. But reason. what is... Yeah. Do we have evidence that him getting pulled in the middle of game hurts his development? We're, I mean, we don't really know that. No. He's going to be looking over his shoulder now for, like, if I were him, 
like at any time that he's not like perfect that he's going to be going out yeah that, that was my question like i'm wondering like, where does it end you know like next yeah. season he should be having them competing for a playoff spot as well or is brian Flores going to be doing the same thing like when when do you let Tua just play quarterback and, and deal with the consequences yeah it just yeah it seems like Flores is just trying to as they say have his cake yeah. and eat it too yeah mm-hmm. so that, yeah the question with, with, is yeah. going forward and as the Dolphins, you know, possibly enter the playoffs next week, should they start Fitzpatrick? Should they start Tua? What's their best move? Uh, that, is, that is a good question. Or maybe, yeah, maybe the higher level question is like, should football teams just do this more often and play mm. like the, the quarterback that's hot, even like on a quarter by quarter basis? Because like, yeah, <laughs> maybe it's sustainable right. to start Tua and then pull him when he gets weak, but yeah. it doesn't seem sustainable. Yeah. yeah, I think if it yeah if it got if it keeps going on for a long time, then then you then you start playing tight. You're not playing your best football, probably probably for most players. I don't know if it's that big of a season, that big of a deal for one season. I think going forward, if they do make the playoffs, honestly, I think it's a toss up between them. I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua are mm. that much better than either of them. I just think all right, whatever mm. whatever Flores thinks, just start him. Don't mm. and don't pull him unless he threw like throws like five picks. Just like a <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think it's like given this, I feel like it's pretty possible that if the Dolphins do make the playoffs or, or even in next week's game, if they like have a lull, I wouldn't be surprised if you see this again, if you see yeah. bits come in now that it's something that is clear as part of the playbook. Um, I, but, I think yeah. part of it too, in this specific situation is Tua's is really safe with the ball. And mm-hmm. so he gets them to the fourth quarter and they have a chance. We're like, but now we need a gunsling. So they bring in Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that's like why the situation kind of works. Yeah, yeah, no, I, th- I think from like just a pure like if you take away the yeah. like the context or whatever, like um, if you're entering a game and you're behind in the fourth quarter, Fitz is the option because as yeah. you mentioned, like two is not he's not making big plays or he's he's just making short short passes. He's gonna help you if you're up for sure, but yeah. um, if you're behind, I like in terms of actually winning the game, Fitz is the better move. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. But anyway, moving on uh, to a team that had a finally had a good week. The Steelers, they've lost the last four, their last four, I believe, before this week. Their last three, maybe. Uh, Yeah. And they bounced back with a come from behind win against the Colts this week to officially clinch the division. Um, It looked like the the Browns might have a a chance to take it over the past couple of weeks, but they did, did officially clinch. Bart, have the Steelers bounced back? And do you think they have any shot at a at a deep playoff run? Well, I'll say this. I mean, they have like they bounced back in the sense that um, they avoided a really big collapse. Like I think four straight would have been terrible for their psyches, and I think it would have been basically like the the end of any hope that they would have had mm-hmm. for the season, regardless of making the playoffs or not. I think you would have had to think that the Steelers team is just like shot basically. So they yeah. bounced back. They got a big win against a good team to boot. Mm-hmm. The Colts are a good team. We've talked about this, yeah. especially their defense this year has been excellent. So I think, I think it's really good in that sense, but like at the same time, the win itself was a win, but it was not convincing. I mean, they were down 24 seven at one point. They miraculously, I mean, maybe not miraculously, but they somehow <laughs> managed to pull out the win because the Steelers defense just got, really tight i think they had like their last five possessions were three punts a pick and a turnover on downs so that's that's what allowed the steelers offense to get back in it but i think offensively the steelers are just still too inconsistent i mean they went down like that because their play was just not good enough we saw big ben for the past few weeks i think like the past five or six weeks he looked terrible this (laughs) week he looked excellent but then on the other hand the steelers had 20 total rushing yards so i think like I, yeah, I would be concerned about them going to the playoffs. I think they'll probably win their first game in the playoffs because it's going to be against like what the either the Colts or the Browns. Either way, I think I think they can pull that out. But I just don't think like they they are too dependent on that defense. They're not consistent enough offensively. I don't know if I believe that Big Ben and the rushing game will both be there against the better teams like it needs to be. Um, and so yeah, I mean a win's a win. Obviously, you have to be happy. But I think this was actually um, not like a super convincing or exciting win for Steelers yeah. fans. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm with you, Bard. I think their offense is just so anemic, and it showed this week, like you mentioned. But I don't know, just to put some numbers to it. They're 24th in yards per game overall, and 12th in points per game. And while your defense can sort of hold against like whoever they play in the first round ma- matchup, 
Browns, Colts, whoever, when you come up against the Chiefs, like, you're going to have to score. Like, there's no way your yeah. defense is going to be able to contain the Chiefs to the level that it can contain other teams. So, I, uh, I'm i just not convinced that they're going to make that deep of a playoff run this year. I think it's probably maybe one win and out. I don't see anything yeah. from that. I also wouldn't be shocked if they lost in the first round either. Like, if they come up against the Colts yeah. and lost the Colts this yeah. week. I think yeah. Browns are a similar type team, so yeah. yeah, I'm not convinced that you know yeah. it's gonna work out for them. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I, th- uh, I think some the Steelers will never let you forget this. The players are really pissed about <laughs> it. They never had a bye week, pretty much, like because yeah. their weeks got all no, messed up and stuff. <clears throat> no, but the, but they were they were preparing like it was a game week, and then some game got moved yeah. or something like that. So they never had like a full bye week. Yeah. Big Ben's really old. I think he's get. I think he's getting kind of tired, to be honest. That's why they're resting him this week. I'm not sure that one week rest is really going to do that much for him either. <laughs> you know, I'm not really sure. So I, I don't really trust their offense that yeah. much anymore. And just like what everybody else said. So I, I wouldn't, yeah, exactly. I would not be shocked if they lose in the first round either. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It really is a testament to their how good their defense has been. The fact that they're 13-3. Yeah. and three. And yeah, Big Ben is like in the twenties in terms of rankings for like you know quarterback rating, and their rushing attack is second to last I think in the NFL in terms of yards. So like yeah. they're just they're just not a scary team on on offense, and there's gonna be a limit how far the defense can carry them. Yeah, and it's weird too because like they like on paper I would think that they'd have the weapons, you know like yeah. like mm-hmm. I'm a big I'm a fan of James Conner obviously Juju, yeah, um, Chase D, D, D John, Dante Johnson or whatever his name mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Chase. It's it's weird, right? Maybe, yeah. It's It'll be interesting. But yeah, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to see Mason Rudolph play this week. Like, not that yeah. Mason Rudolph's a great quarterback, but I am kind of interested to see if yeah, maybe the they'll, like Rudolph I don't think they'll be that. Game. Yeah, that much different. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there'll be that. Yeah, I don't think there will be a huge difference to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, I mean, just because they interrupted a possible five-game losing streak doesn't mean they're all all of a sudden the team that you would want to watch out for. Yeah. I think that their defense is not the same as it was mm-hmm. the first half of the season. They've had a lot of injuries, and like mm-hmm. we've all like we've all been saying, like the offense just looks terrible almost every step of the way. They're one juju TikTok away from implosion. So, <laughs> I think that if the Bengals were able to stick it to them a couple weeks ago, any team that's actually in the playoffs, like the Browns this week, will have no problem. Yeah, I'm facing the Steelers. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Colts are in the playoff. Yeah. No, I yeah. think they're outside. They gotta win. They oh, you mean win. you mean like I see. Yeah, in, well, in the okay, picture, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Yeah, but one thing yeah. also that I meant to mention is the Colts are kind of beat up, especially uh, their offensive line, which I think is um, maybe part of the reason the Steelers' defense looked as good as it did. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. against a healthy playoff team, yeah, definitely suspect. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of playoffs, uh, we head into the last week of the regular season. There's still some playoff spots up for grab. So we're going to go kind of rapid fire and make our picks for the the last uh, playoff spots in, in a couple different scenarios. So starting out with the NFC East. So we've, we have in the last week, we have the Washington football team, the Cowboys and the Giants still with chances to take the, to take the division. Uh, Lucas, we're going to start out with you. Who are you picking? Uh, Washington football team. Um, Eagles aren't that good. They have nothing to play for. Uh, and I think Washington's going to bounce back after losing to a very underrated Panthers team. If not them, though, it's the Cowboys. Jared? Uh, I'm going Dallas Cowboys. I've been supporting them the entire season. Any cash or trash, I've been saying Cowboys. And I really want Wyatt's book it about the Cowboys missing the playoffs to be yeah. First off, for the Washington, I think they'll beat the Giants, obviously. And the Washington game, yeah, the Eagles might not have some, something to play for, but Jalen Hurts is still playing for a starting position. So I think he's going to come out guns blazing, and Washington might not have Alex Smith. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Wyatt, would you like to respond to that? I'd be feeling uh, yeah, so I yeah. actually, yeah. surprising, I did pick the New York football Giants to make the playoffs. <laughs> oh, um, so I, think the, I know God. the Washington football team has the easiest path. Uh, every other team needs Washington to lose, and – you know, they need to, like, win. They need to win and need Washington to lose. And I don't like betting yep. on teams that don't just have the full control of the rest of their season. Mm. But I Don't do the think Giants the J- need the Washington to lose, too? No, they do. That's, but I, oh. I'm saying is I, I don't want to bet. But if I'm going to bet on any, any team to, you know, overcome all of the odds, it's going to be my team. Oh. So <laughs> I think the Giants can pull off a W against the da- uh, Dallas right now. 
And like Jared said, Jalen Hurts is still playing for a starting position, so he might be uh, uh, able to stun a really good Washington defense. So I picked yeah. the Giants that Washington will lose and the Giants will beat Dallas and we'll make it in. Yep. Game on. Game on. Bart. Book that. Uh, I'm, I'm with Jared. I, I like the Cowboys. They're rolling, and I genuinely think that the, the Eagles will beat the Washington football team. Yeah. Jalen Hurts. I'm yes. still on board the Jalen Hurts train, even though he wasn't super great this past week. Yeah. 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 I like the Cowboys. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking the Cowboys as well. I, yeah. I'm sticking with my prediction oh. from a couple of weeks ago. I, I think, yeah, I think the Eagles shockingly have a better quarterback option at the moment or quarterback situation at the moment than the Red, than uh, the Washington football team. Uh, so I do think the Eagles would take the W mm-hmm. and I think the Cowboys will take the W as well. Um, heading into our next one, we've got well, the, the AFC wildcard race. The Cardinals are still outside yeah. of the playoffs too. I don't know if we mentioned them. Yeah, they're in the next one. Yeah, they're, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to them. Um, <laughs> but we're, we're going to go with the AFC first. Um, oh. Who will be the odd man out in the AFC wildcard race? Titans, Ravens, Colts, Dolphins, or Browns? Uh, first, I'd like to say you all have a lot more faith in the Philadelphia Eagles than I do. That's football <laughs> game. Um, second, uh, I think the Colts are going to be- get left left out because I think mm. every single one of those teams is going to win this week, and which means the Colts stay out. Mm. Um, they're all either playing bad teams or teams with nothing to play for. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they all win. And which means the Colts get left out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I went back and forth between the Titans and Dolphins, and I'm actually going Dolphins. I think the Titans are going to lose to the Texans, but the Dolphins will too, which means the Titans are going to get in anyway, and the rest of those teams will win because, like Lucas said, they're playing bad teams. Yep. yep. Wyatt? Uh, like Lucas, I picked the Colts to, lo- or to not make it into the playoffs. Um, I think that – so the Colton's – if every team makes it in, if the Colts lose, and the Colts have to hope that they win and the Titans lose for them mm-hmm. to make it in, is what I read. And I have a really bold prediction right now that the Jaguars are actually going to aim to ruin the season of the division rival. And uh, since they clinched the number one overall pick, they have nothing to lose, in air quotes. <laughs> so they might go out there and try to really give it to the Colts, and I'm going to predict the Colts to lose this week. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's the Dolphins. Yeah. yeah. I. Yeah, I don't think the... Um... Like I don't, I don't think they're gonna get the losses they need. I, I, yeah, I think, I guess, the, yeah, the Steelers Browns game doesn't really matter, but I think the Dolphins, yeah, will, will not get the help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm actually gonna go with the Browns on this one. Oh, know. yeah, I bet. Well, the last time the Steelers and Browns met, it was thirty-eight to seven, which is yeah. pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I understand that Big Ben will be sitting. There'll probably be other starters sitting. Um, but I'm kind of curious to see if Baker can step up in the game. Um, and I, I think that at least one of the Browns or Dolphins will lose. Um, I think the Colts are going to slip in. Yeah. Um, but moving on to the, the last open spot, the NFC wildcard spot, we've got the Rams, Bears, and Cardinals still in contention. One of those has to go. Lucas, who is it? Cardinals are out. Yeah, if the Rams win that game, then... They take the Cardinals out of the playoffs, and I think the Rams do win that game. I think they're better coached. I think they have more experience, and both Murray and Goff are going to be out, and I think uh, the Cardinals are far more reliant on Murray than the Rams are on Goff. So L.A. slips in, Arizona's out. I agree. I'm going Arizona's out. The Bears aren't going to – the Bears are definitely going to lose to the Packers, but if the Cardinals lose, it doesn't matter anyway. So, yeah. 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 Cardinals. Yeah. Why? Same. Art? I said the. Oh, Jared, skipping me. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I say the uh, the Cardinals are out too. I think that if yeah. both teams are going to play, and because like the, if the Rams have to win, <clears throat> um, both teams are going to be with their backup quarterback, and I think the Rams have a better defense to win that game. Yeah. If the Rams win, they make it in. If the Cardinals lose, they're out. So I'm just going to pick the Rams or the Rams to make the spot. Cardinals to to not make it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, partly for variety's sake, partly as an NFC North stan, and just partly because I actually think this is true. I'm going to say that the Rams will actually lose, which would, and I think the Bears, like you said, will definitely lose. I think the Bears might actually miss. Um, the Rams have looked pretty shaky the past couple weeks, and I, I don't know. I, I agree that the Rams' defense is excellent, but I think that game might be more of a coin flip without um, Murray and Goff than yeah. you are giving it credit for. Well, let's not act like Goff is this outstanding quarterback talent. Yeah, but I mean, let's not. He's I mean, all right. Kyler He's has a game also manager. Wait, Barcy. Right you think the Rams are going to miss out? 
Yeah, I think the, <clears throat> okay. the Bears and the Rams will both lose, so the Rams will miss out. Okay. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Or, oh, no, yeah. I'm sorry. That would make sense. I, I mean, the Bears, Bears I think the Bears were, yeah, 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 yeah. The Bears Well, I don't know. The Bears' throat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going with the the Cardinals losing out as well. I I agree that I think they're more reliant on Kyler than the Rams are on on Goff. Um, so I think the Rams will win that game, and I think we'll be seeing a playoff Mitch this year. Even if I yeah, I agree <laughs> that Mitch will probably the Bears so will probably lose to see. the Packers. Exactly, we've all been yeah, <laughs> all been dying to see it again. They should let um, Mitch get injured so that Nick Foles can come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is the Rams lost the Jets two well. weeks ago, so yes, it's, it's yeah. anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the NBA, uh, where we we had the start of the season this week, but we're gonna we're gonna start with something that's predated the start of the season, which is the discussion of James Harden and where he will end up. Uh, he actually expanded his list of trade destinations over the last week because. Clearly, he has not been traded, so um, he's going to, I guess, keep expanding until he's finally gone. Uh, but he added this week the Celtics and the Blazers, uh, so those two teams can feel very honored. Um, <laughs> so we're going to have we're going to have two separate court cases here. We're going to have uh, first we're going to have the Celtics uh, present why they should trade for Harden, as well as a potential trade package that they think the Rockets would take for Harden. Um, and then we'll have the, the defense say why the, the Celtics would be crazy to make such a move. So to start out, we're going to have Jared as the, the prosecution uh, who wants to trade for Harden, wants to, you know, sell all of the Celtics talent. Uh, no. um, and, then, and then Wyatt, uh, who is against. So we'll, we'll let Jared make his opening statement uh, to start. The, the floor is yours. Yeah. All right. I'm sitting down with the Rockets front office. I'm telling him, I get the impression that the market is actually softening a bit for James Harden, as no deals have been made yet. Interesting. <laughs> and as each game goes by, you get uh, my team is going to get James Harden for less and less days. So here's what I'm prepared to give you, Houston Rockets. I'll give you Marcus Smart. I'll give you our 2021 first-round pick. And I'll give you our 2021 second-round pick via Oklahoma City. And I'll give you Jalen Brown. But in return, I'm getting James Harden and P.J. Tucker. Let me tell you why this is good for the Rockets. This saves you $13.5 million as you guys start your rebuild. Marcus Smart fixes your defensive problems and gives you a really good culture guy. He's only making $12.9 million. And the Rockets get considerably younger because they get a 24- and 26-year-old, and you're shipping over James Harden and a 35-year-old P.J. Tucker. Why this is good for the Celtics? What, what do I get out of it? That's what you're asking, right? What's the catch? Uh, you're... Uh, our culture and defensive prowess on the Celtics has not produced any finals appearances, so it's time to change it up. And we still stay $2.1 million under the tax. We get a great score in James Harden, and we knew that you guys, that the Rockets would not accept Kemba with his knee injury. He hasn't even played this season yet. So we're willing to accept that, and you got, we know that you guys already have John Wall, so we'll keep Kemba, and we got a really good core that, that can really do some damage and outscore teams like the Nets, who we got to outscore now in the Bucks. That's that's my uh, rationale. What do you think, Wyatt? The How best, are you going to tear this apart? The best <laughs> I would the best trade I would make would be Carson Edwards in a second round pick, and that's pretty much the best that we can do. Uh, Celtics obviously believe that Jason Tatum is is and can be that guy. They give him a five year contract extension, mm -hmm. so he's off the table. So let's ask ourselves this: Does James Harden play well with the rest of the core outside of let's say Jalen Brown, who's on the table, mm -hmm. and Marcus Smart? The answer is no. He's the greatest offensive player in the NBA today. Maybe only second to Kevin Durant. He also has the highest usage usage rate of any player in the NBA. There are not many teams that can survive with James Harden dribbling the ball at the top of the key for 20 seconds and then passing it out to a corner three. We haven't seen James Harden perform in a system outside of the one that's in Houston since probably OKC, where he was a sixth man, which is a role that he will not be reviving. There's no way that I think the Celtics could take Harden in, assuming that he changes his play style, but that will definitely not happen. I will not take the deal of James Harden to the Celtics. Why? Why wouldn't? Why wouldn't his usage rate change though? If he's going to, you're using his usage rate from a different system, and then saying it's going to be the, exactly the same with the Celtics when I definitely don't think so. It's I think Brad the only Stevens is a better. James Harden knows. No, it's a better. No, Brad Stevens will will indoctrinate him in the Celtics way. They're still gonna have good cultures because they still got. <laughs> Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown, or excuse me, and uh, Jason Tatum. I think they're still going to have good culture. They got Tristan Thompson as well. They got veterans. And you're also sending over P.J. Tucker with James Harden. So you're going to, you kind of appease him, I think, in some ways. He gets a buddy. 
from his old place coming coming back. And I think, like you said, in in OKC, he was he was used really effectively. He doesn't have to be this ball in the hands dominant guy that everybody wants him to be. You can you can push him out. Like every player does that to some extent. Every player use, uses their dribbling to like get get to the foul line and you know and create shots. Every player is going to do that. You don't need to to have the offense run through James Harden because James Harden has made it clear he just wants to win a championship. He doesn't care if he's the first, the best guy on the team. He'll go to the Nets, where he'd be the he'd be the second best player on the team, right? So I think we're, I think the Celtics are fine in that regard. Is this an open yeah. field or should I get Yeah, you're you're open welcome field? to yeah to fire back, Wyatt. Yeah. Every time anybody ever asked James Harden to change the system, he kicked them out of Houston. Chris Paul said, "Hey, maybe we pass the ball around a little bit more." And Chris Paul was out the next year. Russell Westbrook didn't like the culture that was in Houston, and they kicked him out as well. They're appeasing to, to James Harden in Houston, and it's still not working. Mm. I don't believe that you can ship James Harden into Boston and say, all right, you're in our place now. And he'll be like, oh, okay, I'll take that. Why not? There's no way. They did it with Katie. Hold on. Katie did it going to the Warriors. Katie and James Harden are not the same player. And first they of both all, have nobody, ego. There was no, there's no team or superstar that's better equipped to take on another superstar than the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry is like one of the better off-ball players in the league. Right, but the Celtics don't have somebody like that. They're they're better betting on Jason Tatum being the guy and making a leap this year than taking in James Harden and saying that you're now the guy that's going to close us games and be a part of this team. Or even if he isn't the number one in, in Boston, telling James Harden that he's going to be the number two in Boston. I don't believe that. I don't believe that that's something that he's going to buy into because he's never bought into it so far while he's been in Houston. Well, that's because he's always been. That's because he's always been the number. It's been his team. Like when he went to the Rockets, it was his team. Yes, and he's, I think he'll. He's no, but still he'll a understand. But yeah, and but so was Katie. So I, I say this again. So was Katie. When Katie went to the Warriors, he was the best player on the team. But it was still Steph's team, right? And I think it still is going to retain like Boston's, I don't know, gritty identity, even with James Harden. Even if James Harden transfers over there. Katie was the second he wants best to win. in the NBA at the time that he got traded. And the Warriors knew that. And everybody was like, okay, Katie, you're the guy who's the number one, number two guy, whatever on the team. James mm-hmm. Harden's probably, what was he ranked? Like six in that list that we Eighth, were looking something over? Something like that. Eighth, Eighth or nine. <laughs> but Jason Tatum was not on that list. So if you ask him to go in there in Boston and take a backseat to a guy that wasn't even ranked higher than him, I don't think James he, well, Harden is going to accept that. When you talk about taking a backseat, though, it's it's more, it's not like... His, it's not like his points per game is going to go down to like 20 all of a sudden. Like KD, I think, was the leading scorer on that Warriors team, if I'm not mistaken. But in terms, he's one. not, but James Harden is not going to have the burden of like leading the franchise. I don't think it's going to be on James Harden. I think that's what that, Same with, James, look Harden at, look wants, at, James Harden wants to win a team, win a game, win a, manage a team, win a championship the way that he plays right now. No, he doesn't. He yes, he, he doesn't does. care. He'll, he's willing then to then go he to the won, Nets. Then he he's willing to Chris Paul. That wasn't the case because Chris Paul was but like, that's "Hey, the, pass the ball a little bit more," and he was like, "Okay, get out." But why? It's a different situation when he was young. He was coming over to the Rockets, and he was coming over to the Rockets because I wanted my own team. Now he's saying, "Okay, I can't do it on my own. I just want to go Paul win a ring." He's Paul saying, "I just want to go." What's that? So I'm like, it's like Chris Paul was two years ago. He was 31 at the time. It's not like he yeah, was like not, young and naive when he when he shipped out a guy, he, two guys, two other guards. On yeah, but now, team were but like, now James let's Harden play differently, and he was like, no, and he, he removed him. But it's a different situation when when you're bringing in the guy he brought in Chris Paul to the Rockets. Now you're getting shipped out to another system. It's a completely different situation. He doesn't have that burden. Same with Kawhi. Kawhi was the best player on that Raptors, but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily his team. Everybody knew he's just a mercenary. He's going to come in and try to get us this title in a short time. He has. It's going to be the same thing with James Harden to the Celtics. But Kawhi yeah. going to, to Toronto and Kevin Durant going to Golden State are not the same as James Harden going to. Why Boston. not? I think you're you're way over over uh, estimating James Harden's willingness to be like to buy into just a random team that he gets. I mean, just because it's not Celtics a random team though. List. He requested them. It's not a random. You're, team. you're expecting him just to buy into any system that they put him into. Yeah. I mean, didn't Kawhi? Didn't Kawhi look like a diva when he was when he was having his thing with the Spurs? All of a sudden he goes to the Raptors. It's fine. You don't know. You don't know until he gets there. It's a fit. You don't know how the fit's going to be. I say. Okay. I say Order for the Celtics, the just go for it. Cool. Yeah. The the open discussion. Um, 
you know, period of court, you know, that, that part in every court case you <laughs> have the defense and prosecution yell at each other. It's the best part. Um, is, is now over. Uh, the uh, Honorable Aiden J. Lewis is um, going to make his decision. Um, he, he spent hours um, considering what both hours. Wyatt and Jared just said. Um, for, for listeners, we paused the show and then um, I... I, you know, kind of meditated on it for a while, um, but anyway, I am, I'm ruling in it's favor of the, of the defense. Um, oh. I, I believe the, the prosecution actually laid out a pretty, a pretty good case. I think, I think that the uh, trade package that you proposed, um, Jared, uh, would have actually been accepted. I think that the Rockets would, would probably accept something like that. Um, but I agree with Wyatt that I don't think it makes sense for the Celtics to give up on the core yet or to not you know, at least give Tatum or Jalen Brown another year to make the leap um, before, you know, trying to go out and grab a superstar like that. Um, and I also agree with Wyatt that I think chemistry is a concern. Um, I think, Jared, I think it's very possible that um, Harden would, you know, adjust to the system the way that KD did or the way that Kawhi did. Um, but he's, at the moment, he does he does feel like he has a specific system behind him and we haven't seen him work in another system for a long time. And so that does give me a bit of doubt um, if I were the Celtics per se. Um, but anyway, um, well-presented case uh, to both of you. Thank you. Um, and I, so now I we're going to move on. I respectfully yeah. disagree. <laughs> Get out of my court. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're going to move on now to the Blazers uh, with the, the prosecution being represented by uh, Lucas Mason Moyer. Um, who might actually be a lawyer soon and yeah. <laughs> not, not that soon uh, but and then uh, the defense uh, being brought up by Bart we're gonna have the prosecution start uh, Lucas go ahead <laughs> so now that it's 2 a.m. and my brain is firing after Aiden's long hours yeah. of <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been appointed the GM of the Portland Trailblazers. I have been living in Jared's home for the last week trying to put this package together and commuting into work and to get a house of my own, I need to push this deal through. I, the Portland Trailblazers, will give you the Houston Rockets, CJ McCollum. Straight up two for two swap. Then Zach Collins, Nastier Little, and 2022 and 2024 first round picks. Mm. Makes sense on a couple ends. First, for the Blazers. I'm going to sell it to the board and to all of you. Based on the roster you currently have, there's no way you're winning an NBA title. McCollum is a good second option, but he's not elite, and Damon isn't getting any younger. If you don't want to waste Damon his prime, you need to win now, and the best way to do that is by acquiring James Harden. Sure, you lose a couple of good pieces in Little and Collins, guys who can grow into the future, but we're not playing for 2028. Dame is well past his prime at this point. You need to win now. With this deal, you keep the core of Nurkic and Dame still intact while just swapping two guards, and Harden makes that team immeasurably better. There will be maybe no better one-two guard duo in the NBA than Harden and Dame if the deal is done. You mortgage the future, but if you don't mortgage the future, you waste your superstar. This is already a team that revolves around its guards. You don't have to alter the system that much. You can slot Harden right into the CJ role, and it all works out. CJ got 40-plus the other night. Harden can do that every night. Why the Rockets can take it? Great deal for the Rockets as well. The Rockets at this point are playing for the future, and Harden isn't a part of that future. Collins and Little can grow into really, really good players. The Rockets might be playing for 2028 in a way that the Blazers can't be and won't be. Uh, Harden is a long-term option. CJ pairs really nicely with Wall. Again, it's a like-for-like swap. And you don't have to go into the whole process level of like Sixers of like completely bottoming out with those two guys. CJ and Wall is basically Russ and Harden without the ego, and you get more years with them. So... I think it works for both teams. Defense. I certainly must admit that I'm intrigued by this deal. Um, <laughs> I would be I would be almost tempted to say yes, but the one the one glaring issue in my mind is that, like you said, we are not competing for a championship anytime soon. I don't think it commits us enough to a rebuild as it should. I want more picks. I'm just going to be yeah. honest. I don't want I don't necessarily want little. I know that the Blazers have already given us. Or there's something um, between the Blazers and the Rockets because of the Roco pick or the Roco trade. That next next draft pick is already protected. But 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026, as far as I can know, are all still in control of the Blazers. I think Harden is worth more picks. Like you said, mm-hmm. he Cesar McCollum is basically a poor man's Harden. Uh, 
and so if if you want to upgrade, if you want to save Dame's career with the Blazers, and you really want Harden, I think you need to completely shell out, mortgage your future, like you said. But I think that I think the Rockets simply need more. I mean, there's no reason to trade for CJ and little um, and Zach Collins. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned like not completely bottom out, bottoming out like the Sixers did. But I don't actually think that that would be uh, advisable in this case for the Rockets because they know that the next few years are going to be terrible, especially if Harden's gone. It's basically going to be a rebuild. I think they should get more picks and basically try to push harder for completely clearing out the roster and starting from scratch because I don't think they're going to be finding success otherwise. So I, I I like the talent that you're sending us, but I think another pick or two would be better because it's just it makes more sense. I hear what you're saying with that, but I don't think that if I'm the Blazers, and I am the Blazers, you can <laughs> mortgage your future to that. You can mortgage your future, but you can't, you know, like sell the franchise and make sure you win zero game careers going forward. Two first-round picks, you can get a great return on that. But um, but what what reason is there to not send them if you know that you're sealing with, with Lillard and CJ right now is like the conference finals? I'm not sure, but I do think that <laughs> it's a compelling argument. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, you stick with this deal. It preserves some semblance of the future now. And you send it uh, to the Rockets. Everybody wins. And I think that while Houston um, might want to be bottoming out, might want to trade for picks in the future, or get as many high-round picks as you can in the future, I still don't think that's necessarily in like the best interest of the organization. That's not really how it works when teams rebuild and get better. If you look at the two examples of the competing uh, Eastern Conference teams, the Sixers and the Celtics in their rebuilds, the Celtics, I think, arguably have the better team than the Sixers, and they never completely bottomed out. They kept some good guys around, guys equivalent to CJ um, and to Wall. They built through you know good skill analysis in the draft. And they're better than the Sixers now, who completely bottom out and completely just wipe that team of talent. I think it's always important for a team to have talent around and to be able to sort of keep some semblance of its institutional unity. Um, and with CJ, as opposed to just an unnamed first-round pick, I think you do that better. I mean, it's a hey, single... Oh, go for it, Wyatt. Can I chime in? I'm, I'm the, <laughs> we now have the someone jury, from the, the, uh, from the audience. I am the intern it's interesting. that works in the Houston Rockets office <laughs> as Bart SYG. I'm bringing Bart coffee. Um, here's, what, here's what I'm saying. And I'll chime in real quick, and then I'll back out. Before the bailiff like, tackles him. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> Drew Holiday got traded for three first-round picks. So as the Houston Rockets... Uh, for James Harden, our price has gone up. We need at least three first-round picks and CJ McCollum for you want to make a trade for a guy who is miles above Drew Holiday. Lucas, you're above. I'll strike a complete bargain. I'll give up. I'll throw in one more first-round pick. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's nothing off my back to throw in one first-round pick. We're winning now. Is it the best move? Maybe not. But at the end of the day, I got to keep my job. I got to win now. And if it takes one first-round pick, I think I'll do it. Even if I don't think it's maybe quite for the best, it's better than no deal at all because we're not winning as it is. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not sure who that means I rule in favor of. <laughs> <laughs> the plea bargain has been taken, so whatever I say does not mean anything. Uh, but but yes, I, I agree with the three first-round picks. I think that CJ is... It's not like the Jalen Brown case, for example, where it's a guy who you could potentially kind of mold your team around. CJ is kind of at his peak, and I agree with Barty that he's he's good, but he's a poor man's Harden is kind of his, his peak at the end of the day. He's almost 30. Um, I think you've probably got to hand out three first-round picks to make that trade actually go through. But anyway, I'm glad that we um, came to a consensus that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> Um, so, well done, well done, lawyers. Certainly not for the first time today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna leave the court um, courthouse now and uh, talk a bit about the Warriors, who have kind of struggled a bit out of the gate. Uh, we've seen Steve Kerr say that he doesn't want to use Steph Curry at like a super high usage rate, the same way that say like a, a James Harden is used in Houston. Um, so, Jared, what are your thoughts on do they need to be using? curry at a at a higher rate to to win slash like do they need to adjust kind of their style to to win in this yeah this new season yes they need to adjust the style i don't know if it's curry using curry at a higher rate necessarily but mm. using him differently for sure i mean so people forget mm. last season that when when curry was healthy they were one and they were one in three 
And in the game he returned, they lost as well. So they were one and four with him. Lost by an average margin of 16 points. His field goal percentage was 40%. His three-point was 24%. Both by far the lowest of his career. And that, that was when he was healthy, before he even had any uh, hand or wrist injury injuries. And this season, his stats are similar. Like 38%. Field goal percentage is even worse. Three-point per- percentage is still 25%. Like something is off. And something needs to change because it didn't it didn't work last year either. I'm not really sure how many games you could say you can chalk it up to. Oh, it's just chemistry. We'll figure it out. I think they're really in a funk, and it's it's going to be a measure of Steve Kerr's coaching ability to see if if he's just going to keep trying to use. Like I don't know if you can use Steph the same way as when your team was loaded. You're gonna have you have to change probably right. I mean we're already seeing like he's just he's just not shooting as efficiently. So I don't know what the change is to be honest. I think something does have to change, though, system-wise. Because it's really worrying that they, they got smacked by the two best teams in the East, right? And they barely beat the Bulls, who won't even sniff the playoffs, playoffs this year, probably, right? They're a lottery team. So it's it's pretty worrying, I think. Yeah, it's like a kind of a lose-lose situation, I feel like. Because their, their offensive strategy seems already to just be, like, lean on Steph. If you look in the stats in the Bulls game, he had 36 the next highest was Wiggins with 18, and then Eric Pascal with 15. Like, the offense already really runs through him, but that doesn't seem sustainable. And the only way to fix that would be to sort of, like, you know, spread the ball around more, give it to different guys. But, like, the other guys on the team are either not that good or developing and need more time. So it's, like, it's a very, I feel like, a lose-lose situation. Either, like, you run with the current game plan with just relying on Steph and have him be inefficient as the guy you rely on or you rely on all these young guys which means you'll also probably lose because they're either not great in like the Wiggins situation or like still developing like Weissman and other guys like uh-huh. that yeah they're, the personnel is like you can't really get around it I mean Uber this year is shooting what like eighteen percent something. It's horrific. Yeah, it's amazing. Over three games, but still, Wiggins yeah. isn't shooting much better, like thirty something. Yeah. Weissman, like you said, Lucas, he's actually been decent. Yeah. Um, so like they are incredibly fortunate that they managed to draft him. But still, yeah, I, yeah, I think it seems like the one reason, like they should try, I think, to uh, lean off of Steph a little more, just in, like in terms of long term, like preserving him for next season. I think you maybe already should be in a position of thinking like, yeah, this season might be a loss and we should like basically try to rest him more often than not and wait yeah. for Clay to come back, wait for guys yeah. to develop. Like Lucas said, uh, they probably just don't have the talent to like, unless it's a, I mean, people really, really loved Kerr in the offensive like changes that he made after he t- took, um, after he took that coaching job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He seemed genius, but really Clay and Steph were really just like probably the, the main reason that they were able to pull that offense off. You know, super motion based. Yeah. Um. He, he had J- Draymond Green playing like elite defense on the defensive end. Now they don't yeah. really have the personnel to keep up with that. I think regardless of what they do, I don't know if you can make Wiggins and Ubre look particularly good. Yeah. The rest of their guys also. I think they should probably consider the season a, a wash. To be honest with you. Yeah. You yeah. think they should punt they, the season yeah, like yeah. three games into the year? Yes. <laughs> I think that that sure. is harsh for them. They have I plenty of Wolf, time to yeah. turn it around and make it work. I will agree this with this, though, is that I don't think that he can make Wiggins and Ubre look like the old – like put them and make them the old team that they used to be. Uh, they kind of butchered it from the moment that Kevin Durant left because they really wanted to get something out of Kevin Durant. So they traded Kevin Durant in like a first-round pick for um, – D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell, Russell, and then yeah. they were forced to trade D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins, mm. and then that also meant that they had to cut Iguodala. So now they're like strapped for cap space. They don't have Iguodala, and now they're kind of yeah. like just making trades here and there for it, Wiggins and um, Kelly Oubre, and they're like trying to revive their team. <laughs> They've definitely kind of put themselves in a the corner here. I don't think they have any choice but to try to make the playoffs this year. And for but those, do you reasons, think they because- actually are a playoff team, like feasibly? I, seven or eight yeah yeah I, I, I honestly at the moment i i would i would bet that they make the playoffs it's the seven or eight seed i think that I book like it. yeah I'll, I'll book that i'll book that they make the playoffs i think that nice. you still have plenty you still have enough talent on this team to make it i mean they, they got beat up for sure in their first two games but yeah they, they beat the bulls and then they beat the pistons tonight i think they're still gonna beat your your average middle of the road nba team 
And this is at the moment without Draymond Green, who's, you know, not who he used to be, but when he comes back from his injury, like that'll definitely help. I think Wiseman will develop throughout the season. He's looked promising so far. And I think like Ubre, for example, he's not going to keep shooting 18%, you know, he's going to like be serviceable. He was, he was good. Yeah, that would be interesting if he did keep shooting 18%. But I, I think like you have enough talent that they'll make the playoffs um, if, if Curry stays healthy. Um, the west is yeah. the west is a slaughterhouse the west is the west yeah. that's true yeah. yeah i do want steph curry to go full russell westbrook mode where he's like i'm oh, just yeah. gonna score every single time and take it <laughs> the court. i would love to see what that looks like in golden state do you think yeah, he's that's, capable that's of that though, though i don't know yeah seen, he's got injury history yeah. that's like the thing he's getting yeah. older i mean maybe I, 30. I don't know if that's like a good idea for him yeah. to play that way yeah. I agree because I, I mean Russell Westbrook is a, an incredibly unique, talented of a player. Like he plays a thousand percent for forty-eight minutes every single. Like he's like the hardest. He plays as hard as anybody in the in the league, and he plays pretty much almost every game as he can. Uh, mm-hmm. You know he's he's been injured lately in the last couple of years, but I think yeah. that they can still have. Mm-hmm. There it's a, still a shortened season, so it's seventy-two games this year. You can still have Steph Curry play sixty-five, maybe at a really mm-hmm. high level, higher usage rate. Um, I mean, Golden State, I think, is still smart enough because you look at what Giannis did with the Bucks, where he only played about 30 minutes a game. Maybe you just try to see if you can mm. max out Steph Curry for 30 minutes and then pull him, and then he plays 65 games, and then that, that way you can kind of manage his time that way. But, yeah. I mean, I would love to see it. I'll say that because, I mean, Steph Curry MVP was, was fun to watch, even if he wasn't a little bit of annoying. Yeah. A little past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the other question is if – if Steph does not lead this team to the playoffs, if they really are like just a not good team this year, is that a stain on his resume? Yes, yes, a very big stain. I think if if he misses the playoffs completely, yes. Really? I mean, think about all the teams that LeBron, where he had literally nothing and led them to like a two seed in the East. You know, what yeah, I mean? but, like think I mean, about okay. think about those teams and like think about Damian. Like, where's that ranking with somebody like Damian Lillard? That's you know fair. what I mean? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Are, are we gonna are we gonna say oh James maybe they're Harden. actually kind of like the yeah are we like, like James Harden kind of the same player now? Yeah. James Harden has made the playoffs every year for the last eight years, and I think he's one of the only players in the NBA who's done that. I think if Steph Curry can't do that this year with a full healthy season, assuming that he doesn't go out at some point for the rest of the year for a full healthy season, yeah. I think that you maybe start moving Steph outside of the superstar range and maybe you know along with the rest of the really good but not great crowd. Yeah, like I put him last week when we did the like Lakers versus everyone else and like my essentially top ten best players of all time. Right. And right. if you can't drag a team to the playoffs, it's like not good. There's no way you deserve to be a top ten all time player. Like I will cut him, I guess, a little bit of slack. Yeah. Like this isn't this isn't twenty fifteen Steph. He's older, he's had a lot of injuries, like he's more efficient or less efficient than he was before because of all that, but I wouldn't say it like completely like tarnishes his legacy, but it would make me think and reconsider it yeah. a little bit the fact that like even at not his best he couldn't even take a team to the playoffs when it's just him like when he's the sole focal point on team yeah and i don't know if he this doesn't is, have yeah, to yeah. win 60 games he if he wins 40 games and makes the playoffs you know he makes a six seven eight seed and makes the playoffs i think that's that's probably good enough probably not an eight seed but maybe a six seed in the playoffs i mean that mm-hmm. is not impossible think about Again, russell Chris- westbrook did it and yeah. think about what Chris Paul did last year with the uh, with the exactly. Thunder. You know, he older guy, but he he leads them to like a six seed, I think, five seed, yeah. six seed, yeah, six seed, yeah. You know, that's then then you're like, oh, where does he compare there? Yeah. I will say this though, like think if if he if they get like forty wins this year, his wins above replacement will be like thirty wins. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty valuable because <laughs> it'll basically be the same team just with Steph this year. I don't know. So yeah, it could it yeah. could be a pretty big opportunity. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is fair on my part or not, but I feel like I already see Steph as past his prime. And I don't really count stuff that like as much against a player if it if I consider them past their prime. So like him missing out, I don't know if I'd consider the same like I don't know how much I'd really weight it at this point. Because I feel like he's past it and anything he does at this point is bonus. You know, and I don't know if that's fair given that he's still thirty two. You know, he's still should have plenty of years, but just given his injuries and such, like, I don't know. I already view him as kind of like not, you know. I do think it says something yeah. about Steph, though, if like at 32, he's already passed his prime. Yeah, like no, we're I like, that's fair. we're like yeah. considering like his legacy is like 
essentially over mm-hmm. at this point where it's like I mean, I mean like he'll never be LeBron not, but like yeah yeah but I like, don't consider his legacy over but I kind of I am kind of considering his superstar days to be on the yeah. you know like uh, but again he could prove his I don't know because he doesn't play a style of basketball that's like that isn't that you can't keep going forever you know like he he could he could shoot he could technically if he wanted to play really deep into you know 30 or something 35 plus you know and just be like a nice good shooter at some point in his career um i don't think that he like Giannis and um russell westbrook at some point are just not gonna be able to play the way they, they play mm-hmm. for you know forever steph curry could so i'm not gonna put him past his prime days because i think that he's still serviceable i don't know i know that's not exactly serviceable <coughs> and prime are two different things uh-huh. but i mean i think that it won't tarnish his legacy forever for him not to make the playoffs this year but he'll mm-hmm. have an uphill battle for the rest of his career to, pr- to prove to us that he still is a superstar and at some point, he's going to be past his prime officially, and he's still going to be on the uphill battle. And then we'll be like, oh, maybe Steph really lost it. Like, I think it it, it is not going to be a good look for him because I think he'll have to retire sooner rather than later if he can't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wonder, too, if, like, if they really fall off this season. Like, they only win 25 games or something like that, 30 games. Like, not that I think this is a possibility, but we'll see. Um, if that happens, I think... The conversation starts to like creep in, whether fair or not, of how much the success, like his, his success, was like a perfect match of like Kerr's system and having Clay there and having Kevin and like Durant. and having Kevin Durant. Even though like they were good before yeah. Katie was there and yeah. his MVP season was before then, but I wonder how much it becomes a like. What did he just like perfectly like blend with a system yeah. that was innovative and he was like the focal point in a system that would have won with anybody. Or was it no. purely like staff? Oh, I don't like. I don't think that's necessarily no. true, but I think that that conversation yeah. will creep in. Yeah, in yeah. the way that yeah, like yeah. people often have like the Brady Belichick conversation. Like, right, right. Who is more yeah. responsible for yeah. it? I think that like if he really falls off this year, it'll become more of a like. Well, was it like Kerr and his system and like Splash Brothers, like that whole thing, or was yeah. it Steph's mm-hmm. individual talent? Yeah, yeah. I think well, ma- maybe that'll come up, but I feel like this this season in the NFL with Brady like doing pretty well right with the bucks i'm a lot i'm like pretty down on the system arguments in sports i know it maybe probably doesn't translate well to basketball and football but i just feel like if you're a unanimous mvp it wasn't the system probably helped a little bit but a lot of it was you i think you know what i mean i agree i think in this case it's even more like i think kirk came in and he had the like he had the benefit of having be uh like having the opportunity to see how the warriors had played the past few seasons Mm -hmm. i think he was able to tailor this the system Mm -hmm. to steph and clay and not vice versa i think steph and his like supernova ability and the fact that you had to like always have your eyes on him and guard him from like half court I think mm-hmm. that like was the engine of a lot of what they were able to do. So yeah, yeah I think which I guess yeah. goes back to our original question. Now that he's not really the same player and he can't do that, or if it seems that he's not the same player, they probably have to change it up, right? But I think yeah, yeah. I think it's more fair to say Steph was the reason they were able to do those things and not vice versa. Back in yeah. his prime. Yeah. No, I agree. I think there definitely will be interesting discussion though about like heading into the season before clay went down i feel like i was expecting the warriors to be a top three seed in the west i was expecting probably like upper 50s in terms of wins and so now if they if say i don't know what you guys think in terms of how much they win but i feel like the expectation is somewhere between 30 and maybe like 45 or something like that Mm -hmm. like it also it'll i guess tell us something about how much we think clay is worth yeah. Like if they win 30 games, for example, and with Clay, we expected them to, you know, be a contender in the West, like a top contender in the West. But yeah, so it's, I don't know. I guess it just kind of says how much of a team the Warriors are, or they, at least they were back in the, back in the day. Yeah. 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 But moving on to our last segment, we're going to talk some college football. Um, the Heisman finalists were announced this week. There are four finalists. We got Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, and Devontae Smith. Um, who is not on that list, Lucas? Who deserves to be? Who's the biggest snub? Absolutely. And without a doubt, Zach Wilson of <laughs> BYU. <Yeah. laughs> Good answer. <laughs> biggest snub of the year by far. The dude put up elite numbers. He was 30 yards per attempt at 11. Ahead of both Lawrence and Trask. He was second in touchdowns ahead of Lawrence and Jones. He was second in quarterback rating ahead of Lawrence and Trask. 
He was second in completion percentage ahead of Lawrence and Trask. He's basically statistically better than everybody except for Mac Jones. And even only one of those four statistics is one that would be reliant on the number of games that you played. Mm-hmm. So, like, three of those four stats are just in the context are comparable across, you know, number of games played. He had the best touchdown to interception ratio um, of the group of all the finalist quarterbacks in him. He led BYU to an 11-1 season. Which their only loss is when they came up a yard short in Mormons versus Mullets against Coastal Carolina. <laughs> it's just another instance of the group of five kind of getting screwed by the powers that be. Like he put up excellent numbers, and maybe if they win that Coastal Carolina game, he's more on the, you know, the conversation. But his numbers are comparable, if not better, than some of the quarterbacks um, that were finalists. In the other direction, I know this wasn't part of the question. But I have no idea how Justin Fields placed seventh in the rankings. He was <laughs> ahead, ahead of, of him. Yeah, ahead yeah, of him. Ahead of him. He was horrific in the two big games he played. <laughs> and I think sometimes people have like trouble distinguishing between like recruiting rank and NFL potential versus actual resume. And the Heisman's a resume <laughs> award, and his resume probably isn't even like top twenty-five this year. Like he played well in in the games that like. I don't know, didn't, like, against bad teams. But when it came down to the IU and Northwestern games, he was just, like, totally absent. And luckily, Ohio State team is good enough around them that they could win regardless. But that's just another, like, that, that's a hype pick. It's absolutely yeah. nothing else. And also, shout out Ian Book. T- ninth place. Honestly, a pretty fair ranking. Gets the yeah. credit he deserves. I don't think he should have been a finalist or anything like that. But I think he's yeah. probably, like, a top 10 player. This season, at least, was a top 10 player in the country. Lucas, can I rebuttal a little bit on Zach Wilson, though? Go ahead. Does it look bad that against the, the one-ranked team he faced, he had one touchdown and mm-hmm. one pick, only 240 yards? Do you think that looks bad? Looks a little bad, but, I mean, his yeah. numbers are so uniquely good in every other situation, you're allowed to have a bad game. That's not like... Well, but it's because... Want... But it's suspect. You know, we're talking about Justin Fields and his two... The two games where he had... Where he faced the best defense, he struggled. Same thing mm-hmm. with Zach Wilson, where he faced the best defense, he struggled. Yeah, but the difference is that it's Justin one Fields didn't put up those numbers in the other game. Well, but I'll say this, I mean, though, he that he wasn't I, – I know, like, people hate this, but Zach Wilson was not playing the same caliber of people that – Yeah, but here's the thing about that, though. The other group of five quarterbacks didn't put up those numbers either. The Power 5 kids are getting drafted more often than BYU playing San Diego State or whoever the heck they played. You know? No, they played, they played a ranked B, uh, Boise State team. In which they won fifty-one time, to seventeen. Boise State ended yeah. up going like five and five or something like that. Five and they three. were ranked at the time. I, my memory, <laughs> my memory stops <laughs> on November sixth. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, they, it's not like they were playing like horrific teams either. Like, Houston solid. Louis, made a bowl, a bowl game. Louisiana Tech solid made a bowl game. Uh, San Diego State solid made a bowl game. It's not like they were like playing really really bad teams either. Like, also in the Boise best, State was five and two. Let's let's okay. not okay. on uh, no, Boise State. Yeah. <laughs> Fact check. Yeah. Hold on, can I can I just lay something out real quick though? Go for it. <laughs> I think this. All right, guys. So here, so here we go. I'm going to give you a player comparison. Okay, through 11 games, there's player in player A and player B. Player A had 41 passing touchdowns. Player B had 43 passing touchdowns through 11 games. Player A six picks. Player B five picks. Player A, 4,014 passing yards. Player B, 4,125 passing yards. Does that, the numbers are pretty close, right? But player B is mm-hmm. slightly better, right? Do you guys know who I'm talking sure. about? Do you guys know who I'm comparing? Player A no. is Joe Burrow wow. from 11 games. Player mm-hmm. B is Kyle Trask through 11 games. Mm-hmm. So Kyle Trask is having a, a slightly better season mm-hmm. in terms of scoring than Joe Burrow was. And nobody else is even close to him. I really don't understand how this is even... There's Kyle Trash should win by a landslide, in my opinion. I know everybody's like, show me the last time someone won. I can't even remember the last time someone won when their team lost three times. It literally happened four years ago with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> it's like he's the first first in FBS in yards, touchdowns, and he wasn't bad in the games they lost. They had a, he had a 9-2 to touchdown interception ratio, three rushing touchdowns, completion percentage 65%. I don't think this is even close, in my opinion, it should be Kyle Trask. But everybody's like, it's... oh, it should be Devontae Smith and all this stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they had great seasons, but Kyle Trask, yeah. I think, was just way better. Like, he was almost he was on yeah. par with Joe Burrow's season, other than efficiency, essentially. 
So but I just Sorry, think I just like, wanted to get that out there. Whether fair or not, yeah. the fact that the guys he's competing against all led their teams to like the playoff or a really good season just like mm-hmm. inherently hurts him in a way that I'm not sure whether it's fair or not. Because again, yeah. it's, it's a it's a it's a personal resume thing, not a you know a team yeah. resume. Thing. Also, like it's always going to be difficult comparing like different positions and the yeah. worth that they put up. I think I think Kyle Trask in terms of quarterbacks is the has been the most valuable player, but. I mean, Devonta Smith's like stats are just absurd. Like, I mean, he had like ninety-eight receptions over what, like, ten games, eleven games with mm-hmm. seventeen touchdowns. So, like, I I don't know where you say like the like what numbers you'd expect a Heisman winning wide receiver to get, but like yeah. those kind of look like it to an extent. Um, to be honest, though, I wouldn't be mad if yeah, if like in if either of them won, or even Mac Jones. I don't think I'd be that mad if he won. So. But we can agree T-Law just shouldn't really even be in the discussion. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't even like that he was yeah. nominated, frankly. No, like, I, I think Zach Wilson should have been four. I think T-Law yeah. probably... T-Law definitely had a, still had an impressive resume despite missing three games or so, but I don't think he deserved but to be that, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's a hype thing. I mean... It's, yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. It's like just a narrative. Yeah. yeah. It kind of goes... Like, I wanted to... Like, Lucas, you're, yeah, you were talking about this. Like, I think it's, it's an issue with this. It's an issue with, like, NFL Pro Bowlers. It's an issue with NBA All-Stars. Anywhere where, like, media gets to vote, I think, it's, like, yeah, you just yeah. get dumb nominations like this that really don't make sense. All, yeah. all narrative-driven. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely yeah. a problem, but, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Here we are. Yeah. I, I want to put in my vote, though. I want it to be because I want a wide receiver to win. I want it to be not a quarterback. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you, Lucas. Yeah. It would be exciting. Like yeah. Yeah. First one Anything first. different. That's yeah. <laughs> Something else. Yeah. First one in our lifetime to win it. Yeah. Should be fun. Hey, then Notre Dame can say they beat the Heisman the Heisman winner, right? Hey. <laughs> uh, do you know when it gets an, when it actually gets announced? The fifth, I believe. January fifth. Okay. So like between the playoff games. Yeah. So after, yeah, after Notre Dame destroys two of the, you know, finalists. And Devontae um, Smith walks up to the stage through, like, embarrassed shame of having lost the game. Zero receptions, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that wraps up yet another episode for us. Uh, As always, you know the drill. Follow us on Twitter, Media. Uh, follow us and share share our podcast streams on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, etc., etc. Hope you like this episode. Let us know what you did like and what you didn't like, and we will see you back here next week.